0: Hello, I'm Mark McNeely, Managing Editor of No-Till Farmer, and welcome to the latest edition of our 2018 No-Till Farmer podcast series. Our program features Shor Diker, a no-till and cover crop researcher from Penn State University. This presentation, titled, Can I Increase Soil Organic Matter by 1% This Year?, is part one of a two-part series and is brought to you by Montag Manufacturing. I encourage you to subscribe to this series currently available in iTunes, the Google Play Store, SoundCloud, Stitcher Radio, and TuneIn Radio. Subscribing will allow you to receive an alert about upcoming episodes when they are released. I'd like to take a moment to thank Montag Manufacturing for sponsoring today's episode. Montag Manufacturing is your fertilizing equipment specialist, offering dry, liquid, and complete fertilizer systems as well as auto steer carts. Montag's precision fertilizer placement solutions will reduce your rate, increase your yield, and assist your stewardship goals. A major supporter of agronomic education, Montag is a title sponsor of each of our four annual ag events. And their sponsorship of this podcast allows us to share meaningful knowledge to you via audio as well. Visit their website today at www.montagmfg.com or call 712-852-4572. Today in our conversation with Shurd, we'll discuss questions and comments that were made in response to an article No-Till Farmer published earlier this year on the subject of increasing organic matter. That is, how much of a yearly percentage increase in soil organic matter would be a reasonable expectation in a high yield, no-till environment. Let's join Shurd as he discusses this thought-provoking topic of increasing soil organic matter.
1: With me today on this No-Till Farmer podcast series is Shurd Dyker. He is a professor of soil management and applied soil physics at Penn State University. Shurd is very involved in his areas of expertise or no-till, cover crops, things like soil compaction, soil erosion, and all things considered with soil health. So I appreciate your time today, Shurd, and welcome to our podcast.
2: Thank you for having me, Mark.
1: So on earlier this year, on January 15th, I posted a brief no-till news item on our website that you had titled, Can I Increase Soil Organic Matter by 1% this year? This posting generated a fair amount of reader feedback based on your assertion that it's not possible to achieve 1% yearly soil organic matter increases based on above and below ground biomass. Can you please review for us some of the basis for that claim and the statements that were made?
2: Sure. I'd be happy to do that. So the question came because of a presentation that I heard this winter from a farmer, and he was claiming that he had increased his soil organic matter by 1% per year. So I was kind of curious to see if that was at all possible, because in my experience, it is very difficult to increase organic matter content, and to increase it 1% is usually a huge task. So I thought if you can do it in one year, that would be tremendous. But I was wondering, is it possible? Because I knew a lot of farmers who were doing a lot of practices that should favor soil organic matter content, but didn't increase our soil organic matter content that quickly. So I just did a little bit of a back of the envelope kind of calculation. And I developed that into a little article. And to my surprise, that drew some attention. So that's why I'm on this podcast now, I guess. So the way I um, went about it, I thought, let me just try to calculate this for a very productive system. I also have to explain to you the method, how I did it. I'm assuming that all the organic matter comes from photosynthesis eventually. So it comes from the carbon in the atmosphere that is sequestered through photosynthesis, through plant growth, and then the organic matter is either deposited on top of the soil or in root matter incorporated into the soil. And I didn't calculate things like exudates or mycorrhizae, but they are reliant on the photosynthates that are produced by the plant. So I was looking at the maximum amount of carbon that could be sequestered by a very productive crop, And I also included a cover crop just to make sure I maximize the carbon input. And then I calculated how much carbon do we actually sequester? And then what would that be in terms of organic matter? So what I did, I calculated a corn crop of 200 bushels per acre yield. Then I calculated how much dry matter that was. 9,464 pounds of dry grain per acre. I assumed you would harvest the grain. On a normal farming operation, you would do that. So that would be removed, but you still have the crop residue that's remaining. And you also have the root matter. So typically for a corn crop, the amount of crop residue is about the same as the amount of grain per acre. So that would also be 9,464 pounds of crop residue that would be deposited on top of the ground. And then you have the roots, which for an annual crop is typically 20% of the above-ground dry matter is root matter. So when I added that, that made 11,357 pounds of dry matter per acre. Now, then I assumed that you would grow a cover crop of rye With a yield of 5,000 pounds, that is quite high. If you can do that in our environment, here in Pennsylvania at least, or in the Midwest, you would do very well. If you can grow a crop of rye after grain, corn grain, that produces 5,000 pounds, that would be a lot. So you have 5,000 pounds of rye cover crop and then 1,000 pounds of root mass from the rye. So when I added all that up, I came to a little bit more than 17,000 pounds of plant matter from the corn and from the rye, from above ground residue, and roots. Part of that is then carbon. Not all the dry matter is carbon. Only 40% of it is carbon. So that makes about 7,000 pounds of carbon in roots and stover, and then I compared that with how much carbon it would be in 1% of organic matter in the soil. So I took a one-acre slice of soil that weighs 2 million pounds. That's to 6.7 inches depth. And I took that because when we report or talk about soil organic matter content, we typically talk about soil organic matter content to the depth of soil sampling, which we usually take soil fertility sample, and that is to about 6 inches. So that's why I took that 6.7-inch depth. So that's 2 million pounds of soil. 1% of that would be 20,000 pounds. So that would contain 58% carbon. And so 1% of organic matter in the soil to 6.7-inch depth That would equal 11,600 pounds of carbon. So here we have a corn crop plus a rye cover crop producing about 7,000 pounds of carbon per acre in a very highly productive system versus the carbon in 1% of organic matter being more than 11,000 pounds. So when you compare that, it doesn't add up. And you cannot increase the organic carbon content or the organic matter content by 1% per year if you take such a system, based on the assumptions that I use. And I didn't even take into account that a lot of the carbon that you add in crop residue and in root matter actually never becomes organic matter in the soil because you, you lose a lot due to decomposition. So in effect, only about 10 to 20% would end up becoming organic matter in the soil. So I came to the end conclusion that a realistic number to shoot for is a tenth of a percent increase per year, and that in that case you would be doing a very good job, and that would not be easy to achieve, even a tenth of a percent of organic matter increase in a year.
1: And that goes along with a lot of what our no-till farmers are reporting. However, contrary to that, we did have some comments. And actually, that's the nature of this podcast was generated from those reader comments. We do appreciate comments that our readers give us on our website. So many of the reader comments for that news article focused on the fact that you are not taking into consideration nature's kind of liquid carbon pathway, such as exchanges taking place in soils from root exudates and mycorrhizal activity. Now, you touched on this a bit earlier. Could you please address the importance of microbial biomass within soils in the context of influencing this soil organic matter?
2: Of course, that is very important for soil health, and that liquid carbon pathway is very important for building organic matter content. But I think the fundamental concept Mm -hmm. that a lot of people don't seem to get right is that that carbon still originates in the photosynthesis of the crops that you grow or the vegetation that is growing on the soil. I mean, the mycorrhizae and all the other microbial matter in the soil, they are not able to sequester carbon through photosynthesis. At least that is what we understand from many, many scientific studies that have been done. They rely on the carbon that has been sequestered by the plants. So in the end, even the liquid carbon pathway, it originates from plant growth. And that is why I think even if you take that into account, it would not change the equation. It would not change the basic fact that we are working against the ceiling, and that is the primary productivity of the plants that are growing in the field. Now, if we could increase that productivity a lot... So, I mean, there are some farmers who have reported very high yields, then perhaps that could increase the amount of carbon that we sequester from the atmosphere and that could become part of the organic matter of the soil.
0: We'll rejoin Shured in a moment, but I wanted to take time once again to thank our sponsor, Montag Manufacturing, for supporting our No-Till Farmer podcast series. Montag Manufacturing is your fertilizing equipment specialist, offering dry, liquid, and complete fertilizer systems, as well as auto steer carts. Montag's precision fertilizer placement solutions will reduce your rate, increase your yield, and assist your stewardship goals. A major supporter of agronomic education, Montag is a title sponsor of each of our four annual ag events, and their sponsorship of this podcast allows us to share meaningful knowledge with you via audio as well. Please visit their website today at www.montagmfg.com or call 712-852-4572. We've heard from Shurd about the assumptions he's made in order to calculate growth in soil organic matter in a no-till environment and how soil microbial activity plays into his calculations. Now we'll continue with some of its thoughts on increasing soil organic matter in sandy soil or arid regions, as well as his opinions on the use of glyphosate on SOM growth. You had mentioned earlier you are based
1: in Pennsylvania and you were looking at a highly productive farming system using as your example. But there were two or three comments from readers that were all asking you to explain any thoughts you might have on increasing soil organic matter in arid regions. So do you have some thoughts on what farmers might be able to do to raise their soil organic matter content in sandy soils or in arid climates?
2: That is very challenging really you are very much more limited by what you can do just because of the productivity of the land. The amount of organic matter is always a function of the plant growth that you have there, except if you import organic matter from elsewhere, like if you use compost that was produced somewhere else and then add it to the soil or manure or something like that. But if you are just looking at The land and how much you can increase organic matter on the land just based on the productivity of that land, then that is going to be much lower in arid regions. Increasing organic matter content in sandy soils is also very challenging because of the different way the soil aggregates. In the olden days, we used to assume that some of the organic matter in the soil is becoming humified and that those are certain types of organic molecules that are just not easily attacked anymore by microbes, and therefore they're kind of stable in the soil, and they're staying there for a long time. But now we're starting to really realize that the physical protection of organic matter in the soil aggregates is actually what causes organic matter to be stable in the soil. So in a sandy soil, you have much less enmeshment or connections between the soil particles and, and organic matter and also a, a lot less protection of the organic matter in aggregates. That's why we have in a sandy soil much lower organic matter content than, say, in a, a clay soil or a silt loam soil. So it's just hard. Perhaps one way would be to grow perennial grasses as much as you can in a grazing system or so. If you can maintain the root systems in those soils and permanent vegetation, I think that would be one method.
1: And I'll come back to that grazing in another question here, but one reader actually focused on the chances of substantial increases in soil organic matter through the limiting of or complete discontinuation of using glyphosate, claiming that it limits and or kills microbial activity. What are some of your thoughts on the impact fertilizers or herbicides have as they relate to soil organic matter increases? Or, you know, does there need to be more research on fertilizers and herbicides?
2: Yes. Now, here we come into a very controversial area, probably, with glyphosate being under the gun. Well, there's a lot being said about glyphosate. That is not really supported by a lot of science, and it's more based on hype I also think there's still a lot of need for new work and and more research to be done on the effects of glyphosate. But just in preparation for this podcast, I did review some scientific studies that looked at the effect of glyphosate on the soil biota. And what you find is there is a wide variety of results that people are getting. Uh, A lot often depends on the methodology that they use the rate of glyphosate that people use to study that how they do it in the in the lab or in the field and so you get a whole range of different results now i'm not an expert in this area but what i did find from these studies is that certain bacteria in the soil so it's certain microbes they use glyphosate as a food source and so you find that those bacteria can actually increase On the other hand, there are some other bacteria that perhaps uh, decreased, and there was one study that I saw that they concluded that the overall microbial diversity in the soil was not impacted by the glyphosate. But then there is other studies, and you will find that they do find some effects. So it's still a mixed bag of what's out there. There's also a lot of new methods that people use to understand this better. For example, you can just measure the effect of glyphosate on soil respiration. Now, that is just a combined effect of that glyphosate on all the different microbes that are in the soil, fungi, bacteria, whatever it is, protozoa, and so forth. What you can find, what I've seen in some studies, for example, is that after you apply the glyphosate, first you see some kind of a spike in respiration. It, It goes up and then it might come down again, which just suggests that you add a readily available source of nutrition for the microbes, for certain microbes. So there might be some bacteria that are favored while others are inhibited. Then you need other methods to determine which bacteria are favored and which ones are not. And so I think there's still a lot of new research going on in this area. I'm also looking forward to learning more about the effects of glyphosate on the soil. What I do find, though, in our production systems out there, and just my practical experience, is that glyphosate has really helped us with being able to do no tillage. It is really a relatively low environmental impact herbicide, and it's really done for us. It has given a tremendous contribution of being able to burn down cover crops and weeds and to be able to start with no-till planting our crops. And then I don't see it in the field that that has a negative effect on the microbial diversity or indicator species like earthworms. We don't see that they are negatively affected by the glyphosate. I think if it had a very big impact, we would very readily see that. So I'm a little bit skeptical about those very dramatic stories, and uh, so far I feel it is a great product that helps us do no-tillage. Now, regarding fertilizers, you have all these trade-offs in uh, agriculture. The main one I think we look at is nitrogen because, well, it has a very big effect on microbial activity in the soil, but it also has a very big effect on plant growth. So, you know, I started with the premise that the foundation for increasing organic matter is plant growth. So if we increase plant growth by using fertilizers, I think that can have a positive effect on soil organic matter content because our plant productivity is higher. However, if we use too much, then there's some research that has been shown that to be true. If we use too much nitrogen, it can actually contribute to luxury consumption perhaps of microbes in the soil and they start to attack organic matter that is in the soil and decompose it at a rapid rate because they have so much nitrogen available that the plants don't need. So it's just sitting around and microbes can use it. And if there is carbon there, they might start attacking more carbon. And then your organic matter content can actually decrease. So I would say with fertilizers not over applying them, but they are helping us to increase our plant productivity so that can help us again with increasing soil organic matter
0: thanks again to sure diker in this first part of a two-part series he's given us insights into the role above ground and a below ground biomass play in increasing soil organic matter please join us for part two of this episode next month as he will discuss the role crop rotations and manure have in soil organic matter growth, as well as he'll give us some no-till tips to help ensure future increases. If you would like to hear more podcasts about plant and soil health and successful strategies for no tilling, please visit notillfarmer.com forward slash podcasts. That's no hyphen tillfarmer.com slash podcasts. Again, we'd like to recognize and thank our sponsor Montag Manufacturing for helping to make this No-Till Farmer podcast series possible. If you have any feedback on today's episode, feel free to drop me an email at m-m-c-n-e-e-l-y at lessendermedia.com or give me a call at 262-777-2404 and if you haven't done so already you can subscribe to this podcast on itunes or at the google play store to get an alert when future episodes are released you can also keep up on the latest no-till farming news by registering online for our no-till insider daily or weekly email updates and the dryland no-tiller e-newsletter and be sure to follow us on twitter at no-till farmer with farmer spelled f-a-r-m-r and on our No-Till Farmer Facebook page. For Shored Diker, Montag Manufacturing, and our entire staff here at No-Till Farmer, I'm Managing Editor Mark McNeely. Thank you for listening.